Hello and welcome to another episode of Schlock Tactics, the movie podcast where we believe badder is better and aim to review the bombastic beat-em-ups so you don't have to. My name is Ash and I'm joined once again by Mark. Oh hi Mark. Hello. Today, as you can tell from the title, we are going to be doing the follow-up to uh, one of our favourite episodes from last year, a video game special. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is Game Over Man Part 2. We will be reviewing Mortal Kombat from 95 and Street Fighter the Movie from 1994. Two of my favourite bad movies. More examples of uh, video game movies gone horribly wrong (laughs) or horribly right, if you're us and and, and love that kind of silly shit. So, yeah, those are the movies we're going to be talking about today. If you missed the last episode, it was... Uh, a bit of a, uh, a summer giant killer crocodile special <laughs> where we reviewed uh, Alligator from 1980 and Blood Surf from uh, 2000, I think. Those are some really uh, rubbery, uh, hokey killer crocodile movies. So if you missed that, go back and check it out. Um, but we are now back in video game movie territory. It's a rich vein of bad movies. There's still plenty more of these that we can do, <laughs> but we have chosen to go for these two films that came out really at exactly the same time in the mid-90s that were cashing in on very uh, wildly popular and successful beat-em-up games, Street Fighter and Mortal Kombat, respectively. So, the first movie we're going to talk about here is Mortal Kombat from 1995. Um, this one is directed by Paul W.S. Anderson, who is only a second film, but many people will know him. He went on to direct all of the Resident Evil terrible movies, uh, Three Musketeers, anything with Miller Jovovich fighting CGI things uh, he's in charge of, but also gave us the excellent Event Horizon uh, as well, so we can't we can't mock him too much mm. just because he's married to a really beautiful woman <laughs> and wants to make shitty video game movies so yeah this also alien versus predators sorry maybe we can mock him so yeah he's made some very shit movies some really good movies but more importantly he's made quite a lot of video game movies but this was his first mortal kombat 1995 uh early 90s you probably remember like i do mortal kombat was the the thing yeah the thing to play it was the thing your parents didn't want you to play it was it was violent warping youngsters <laughs> minds it was turning uh, kids into Psychopaths. Glue-sniffing uh, <laughs> Satanists, yeah. Before, just before Marilyn Manson and, and, and Eminem. Mm-hmm. Um, it was it was violent video games. So Mortal Kombat, definitely the more violent of these two. So they thought they'd make a film of it. Now this obviously comes, both of these films come just after uh, Super Mario Brothers the movie, which is uh, one of the films we reviewed in our last video game special. So really, as we said last time, Super Mario Brothers is the very first video game movie does terribly but <laughs> people still think well let's give it another go yeah weird really because mario brothers one of the most successful video games ever and that that failed but pe- a year later people are still like now nah, let's do it again let's do it again <laughs> mortal kombat's really popular all the, you know all the kids are into it so let's do that so they made money right yeah, yeah. well <laughs> these two films did make money mario brothers lost money massively so that's the difference here so Mortal Kombat actually um, grossed six times its budget wow and its budget was 18 million dollars that's insane actually actually quite small that's such a relatively speaking yeah Yeah. Um, smaller than Street Fighter budget but it did it did gross many many times back its budget so it proved straight away after the failure of Mario Brothers that actually video game movies can be really successful commercially if not critically 
uh, so Paul W.S. Anderson, not a big name at this time. And also the cast, they haven't really got many big names either. They've got Christopher Lambert in as Raiden. Mm. Um, so he is a fairly big name-ish. He's coming off of the Highlander movies in the late 80s, early uh, 90s. So he's kind of a name. But other than that, they're all pretty unknown people. Now, it's quite a long <laughs> quite a long and winding uh, road here as far as the casting. Sonia Blade, they originally cast Cameron Diaz to play. Oh, really? And <laughs> uh, 94, 95, I don't think she'd done anything apart from maybe The Mask with the Jim Carrey yeah. here. She's probably about 20 years mm-hmm. So she's not really a big star, but no. she was still cast to be Sonia Blade, but um, broke her wrist, so she couldn't do it. Mm-hmm. Johnny Cage was originally meant to be played by Brandon Lee. <laughs> who had an even better excuse. He died before he could take part in this film. He died on the set of The Crow, so he couldn't be Johnny Cage either. So they went to Jean-Claude Van Damme and said, do you want to be Johnny Cage? And he said, no, because I'm going to do Street Fighter instead. So these films are quite quite intertwined and directly competing, obviously, against each other. So Jean-Claude Van Damme said no as well to Johnny Cage, so they got this unknown bloke to play Johnny Cage as well. And and apparently Sean Connery turned down Raiden, because he'd rather play golf. That's that's what I read. <laughs> Sounds right to me. Is that yeah. where his career was at? <laughs> um, 94. Don't know what he was he, doing. I then. think he yeah, I think he could afford to be choosy in 94. Mm. I think he didn't hunt for Red October and the Untouchables just pre- previously. So and he was on his way back to doing stuff like The Rock mm. in a year or two. So yeah, probably a good move for him. And so I think maybe he suggested his. Uh, is Highlander 2 co-star Christopher Lambert, who uh, who ended up playing Raiden. So re- really the only big names in this film are Christopher Lambert as Raiden, but also uh, this guy called Kerry Hiroyuki Tagawa, who uh, plays Shang Tsung, the, the big villain in this film. He was a big, quite a big star uh, at this time. He'd been in loads and loads of martial arts films. He was in um, called Big Showdown in Little Tokyo oh, yeah. um, a couple of years previously with Brandon Lee, so maybe that's why they were trying to cast Brandon Lee. That, as you can tell from the title, is a, a real um, knockoff of Big Trouble in Little China. Yeah. <laughs> um, replacing Kurt Russell with Dolph Lundgren <laughs> and the other guy from Big Trouble in Little China with Brandon <laughs> Lee. And then uh, Kerry Tagawa um, was also an evil Japanese mobster in that. So I'd seen him in a few things. seen him more recently in Man in a High Castle. He's really good, really good actor, and I think he's probably the best in this film Mortal Kombat the movie opens of course with uh, what I'm sure we'll both agree is possibly the, the best music <laughs> of any of any film we've spoken about the, the Mortal Kombat theme tune it's been stuck in my head it's just so intense and it's really I mean, cool I can't even remember was this the music in the game or it was an expansion on that um, I think maybe I can't really remember I think yeah, people know it more from the film I'll buy it yeah from the as the theme of the film it's iconic you know i know that kind of music was quite big yeah it was like rave like house which was quite on on the money in 95 like it was people were into that so you get that iconic music over a flay the flaming dragon mortal kombat logo you see a young boy fighting shang sung like i say played by Kerry tagawa and then he gets killed but then it's it's actually Events that are taking place inside Liu Kang's nightmare. Liu Kang, obviously, for the main character from the the game. I mean, with both of these films, the first ten minutes is just like 
cramming characters in yeah, yeah. non-stop. There's no, no plot development for the first 10, 15. Introduce a character once yeah. every 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> well, they've got a lot of characters to get in. Both yeah. of these games have got lots of characters. So we see Sonya Blade. Uh, she's played by an uh, actress called Bridget Wilson, uh, who our listeners might know from Last Action Hero with Arnie, um, and also Billy Madison with Adam Sandler. She's in that as well. Yeah. And would eventually go on to marry Pete Sampras. Oh. The, uh, the tennis, tennis player, uh, yeah. legend. So there you go. Second uh, second choice after Cameron Diaz, but there <laughs> she is, Bridget Wilson. She's hunting her arch nemesis, Kano. We also see Johnny Cage, not played by Brandon Lee or Jean-Claude Van Damme. Um, played by a guy called Lyndon Ashby, who I think is a bit shit. Certainly mm-hmm. compared to those options, maybe would have been better. Yeah, He's fighting some goons. Um and then he says, this is where you fall down. So you realise it's all just a movie set because obviously Johnny Cage is a, an action action star in, mm-hmm. the, in the game universe. There's a director sitting on a chair that's like having a go at him. You might notice it looks an awful lot like Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. That's because Steven Spielberg wanted to have a cameo in this film because he loved the Mortal Kombat games. Yeah. This is why this film did really well, because everyone loved the games. Most of the people who agreed to be in this film is because their kids loved the games. Yeah, They're yeah. like, yeah, sure, okay. <laughs> Steven Spielberg's kids loved the games, and he liked the games, so he wanted to be in the film. It's like, they only had 18 million, million budget, but yeah. everyone really wanted to be in the film. <laughs> like Steve, uh, Even Steven Spielberg. Spielberg would have done a cameo for free. Yeah. You know, feel like, how much money is that saving? For like, <laughs> oh, it would have been quite a coup, but it didn't work out. So they just got a guy that looked like him. He meets up with a producer who tells him about this tournament that you can take part in, and then you'll prove you're a real tough guy, not because all the papers are saying he's a fake. Uh, he can't fight in real life, he's just an actor, you know. Mm. But then it's revealed the producer is actually Shang Tsung in disguise. Mm. There's lots of yeah characters just being given various reasons to participate in this tournament. <laughs> it's all shoehorned in, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, really? just like... lots of exposition. Uh, Liu Kang goes to visit the monks who apparently raised him. And uh, it meets up with Raiden, played by Christopher Lambert. Shout out to my friend Noah, because uh, we uh, we used to watch bad movies all, all the time as well and probably watched the, these these films as a double bill. He was the first person that pointed out to me that Christopher Lambert playing this character and doing this dialogue, after quite a lot of his dialogue, he will go, <laughs> <laughs> like a sarcastic dickhead laugh. Yeah. And once you, once you notice it, you can't unnotice it. Yeah. And everything he says is just really fucking annoying. <laughs> so I don't really like the way Christopher Lambert plays Raiden. I think I find his voice quite irritating. Mm-hmm. Where it's just constant, like, you want to take part in the tournament? <laughs> <laughs> what are you laughing at? What's so funny? Like everyone meets on the on the pier to get on this like magical boat. Briefly, um, you see Jax, the character Sonya Blade's partner. Uh, that's also a character from the games, but they haven't really done much with it here. In the games, he's like this massive bloke with cybernetic arms. Mm. In this, he's a bloke with normal arms and uh, just a real square head. He would get cybernetic arms in uh, Mortal Kombat 2, Annihilation, but he's not really in this much. And then shortly after this, we're introduced to of what everyone wants to see, Sub-Zero and Scorpion. Yeah. Arguably the, the main attraction of the games i think everyone wanted to play as them and mm. thought they were the coolest yeah, people yeah. to play even though they were both the same character just slightly different colored uh, outfits you know i think they had the maybe the easiest moves to learn or something maybe or just the coolest i you thought sub-zero had the coolest ice moves. Yeah, yeah you could like freeze things straight away i think it's quite good here you get those characters using their their powers so uh, sub-zero touches a gun and freezes it and then scorpion sort of teases the weird like 
bird creature to come out of his palm, you know, the mm. get over here yeah. thing, that before it all sort of boils over, uh, Raiden comes in and sort of calms everything down with his lightning hands. Get Raiden here giving the Basil exposition here, uh, explaining what the tournament is, where it takes place. Um, it takes place in a place called Outworld, which is another realm. Earth is but one of many realms. Blah, 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 blah. Um, the evil... Uh, evil Shang Tsung team have won 9 out of 10 Mortal Kombat uh, tournaments and if they win 10 then that means that they can invade Earth and there you go that's all the exposition in about 2 minutes it's all nonsense there won't be any more <laughs> there won't be any more plots so don't yeah. worry about it we get like some cheesy um, <laughs> some cheesy like floaty skull effects some CGI and this film went for CGI where Street Fighter did not and I think whenever Mortal Kombat goes to CGI it doesn't look great. No. 1994 is a little bit early in the game to be putting CGI in your film unless you are Terminator 2 yeah, yeah. and things <laughs> like that. But the CGI in this is, is dreadful. That was rubbish. <laughs> um, and just the, this cheesy sort of um, skull floating around the boat and just Shang Tsung It has begun! <laughs> <laughs> so they end up on this mysterious island. Again, the island is ent- entirely rendered in, in really ropey CGI. Introduced to Princess Katana, who is another character from the games. Here's another. Here's some more ropey CGI. The reptile character. Now, reptile when you play as the character in the game is just another Scorpion Sub Zero clone, but mm. wearing green and black. But here in the film, they choose to represent it in a in a literal uh, form, yeah. and it looks like something off an N64 game, uh, maybe like Spyro the Dragon, James Pond, something like yeah. that. It's that level of, of effect. It looks terrible. Worse than the lawnmower man. <laughs> uh, it was, it's dreadful. So, yeah. I appreciate that they tried mm. to make a character different to the two characters that already kind of mm. look like each other, but they yeah. failed. <laughs> yeah, they, they all sort of meet up in a banquet hall. Uh, again, there's more explanation of the rules. And no, you're not allowed to fight yet. That's a violation of the rules. Everyone must fight in sanctioned matches it's sort of like pseudo like boxing mma mm. regulations you have to yeah. you have to abide by the board the board's regulations <laughs> and stuff like that so you're not allowed to fight just yet or even though everyone wants to have a bit of a scrap sub-zero again freezes a random goon just to show what his his powers are and this is one one of many uh, times where a character a fight will happen and the character will go flawless victory yeah because that's what they say in the game all the time however and I'm glad that IMDb Trivia backed me up on this. Hardly any of the times they say flawless victory are actually flawless yeah. victories. Because that means that you've defeated someone without taking any damage yeah. or being hit at all. Which Doesn't is often not the case yeah. when they say it in this film. In this case, it is true. But later in the film, they keep saying it. And I'm like, it's not a flawless victory. They have a really close yeah. battle and he's like, flawless victory. Yeah, and you can no. just imagine like the nerds at the time in the cinema being like, what are you on about? It's not a flawless victory. It wasn't a perfect. You idiot. <laughs> yeah. You've never played the game. <laughs> so yeah, that's wrong most of the time. One character, thank God, they decided to go with practical effects, which is the Goro mm. character. So for people who haven't played the game, it's quite an impressive looking character. It's a like a nine or nine foot tall, would you say? Sort mm. of mus- muscle bound thing with four, four arms. arms. Yeah. <laughs> that, that sounds weird. Two pairs of arms. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 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 two pairs of arms just built like a brick shit house only like three toes and three fingers on each yeah, hand yeah that's weird and like a sh- weird weird like plasticine it looks a bit like plasticine 
like a Ray Harryhausen creature. But I think it looks quite. I think it's a good idea to make this practical. Mm. I can only imagine what it would have looked like CGI. Really cheesy guy voicing it. Ooh, yeah. um, you know, doing that sort of stuff. It's quite quite scary, I think, if you if you're a kid, which I was. There's a little bit of a fight scene in a banquet hall. I thought the sets were quite good throughout this film. Mm. Um, what they lacked in in CGI, they made up for with, with sets because there's all these like massive caverns, like subterranean um, banquet halls, loads of candles. Good sets, bad CGI is is really the sort of story of this of this movie. Uh, Sonya Blade uh, finally gets to fight Kano. Um, sort of uh, presented to her by Shang Tsung because she's been after him for a while. He he um, mutilated her partner, killed her partner, something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, she sort of gets him in a head scissors and he says, give me a break. So she says, okay, and snaps his head. <laughs> As only someone in a movie could do. Yeah. Snaps his neck with a sort of tensing of the of the calf muscles. Mm. Um, I quite like the Kano character in this. It's, it doesn't really look like he does in the game. Like in the game, I think he's more meant to be like Japanese, but in this he's like an Australian mercenary sort of drug lord sort of thing and he like waves a massive knife and see the character has a, a massive portion of his face which is exposed metal plates and they've represented that quite well I would say with mm. the, the practical effects I thought he looked quite cool yeah. but they got I think they did away with him too soon mm. um, I've always quite liked Kano Liu Kang battles this this jabroni just with sticks to show how like impressive he is Johnny Cage is for some unknown reason, just walking through through the woods, and there's Scorpion. Get over here! <laughs> so there we go. We start fighting. It's not a sanctioned fight, so I don't know if it's against the rules. Maybe they start fighting. Um, so Johnny Cage does like a fly kick, and they end up sort of being warped into hell. Mm. From what I could tell, I say hell. It's like bamboo covered in cobwebs with like some orange lighting. It looks pretty scary. We're, we're sort of led to believe this is Scorpion's like. Level, you know, if you were playing the video game, this would be Scorpion's level. This this whole scene is well over the top. I love yeah. it. this is probably my favourite scene. I don't know if you noticed. There's some Fear Factory playing underneath yeah. this yeah. unmistakable sort of industrial metal uh, mm. that Fear Factory do. Uh, there's like fire breathing. He takes his like face off, and he's just a skull, like Ghost Rider, breathing fire. Mm. Appears to be bleeding lava, and then he eventually explodes. Yeah. And his head comes off, doesn't it? His head comes off, he explodes, and then a signed autograph from Johnny Cage lands oh, on the yeah. floor while like <laughs> his while his guts are still like floating down. Mm. This I wanted to see more of this really. This was like a little bit of the insane violence that you would get in the in the game. Yeah. Because he was bleeding lava, I guess it looked PG or whatever. This is one of the best scenes, especially all set to like industrial metal. Liu Kang and Sub Zero have a much more Tame fight, really quick fight. Liu Kang ends up just chucking a bucket of water at him, which luckily turns into an icicle and impales him against the wall. Yeah, it's not very well thought out, <laughs> I think. Shang Tsung unleashes Goro uh, fully. He just starts mashing people up, like you just see a series of people being like battered and thrown to the ground by Goro. It's pretty cool. Johnny Cage decides that he's going to challenge Goro himself and, and, and nip this in the bud. There's some of the worst acting in the film where um, Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade as they're starting to tease this romantic angle between them Johnny Cage is like I can't let what happened to Art happen to you not to you (laughs) (laughs) and she's just like don't do it no, you know, oh, no. it's just sort of really yeah. shit. It was a really nice sunset in the background, so I sort of um, 
it's all made up for it. But he does fight Goro, and there's all this build-up. Uh, you know, Goro crushes his sunglasses, and everyone's like, yeah, he's going to get killed, he's going to get killed. And then the fight starts. He just splits and just punches him in the dick <laughs> really hard. The source of all of Goro's weakness is all in his dick. <laughs> so there you go. The bigger they are, the weaker the dick. <laughs> If anyone bullies you and they're nine foot tall, you punch them in the dick and um, that should help. Bit of a scuffle on a cliff and uh, Johnny Cage just sort of kicks him into some some dry ice. <laughs> and he just sort of, it's like spinning, little miniature spinning guy. It's quite fun. This is where you fall down. This is where you fall down. Cleverly, they bring back the line. Yeah. And also, those were $500 sunglasses, you asshole. Yeah. Johnny Cage has some quite good one-liners, but I still feel that the actor's not great. Now the uh, Shang Tsung has taken Sonya Blade with him to Outworld, so now the, to- the rest of the tournament's going to take place in Outworld. So Liu Kang and Johnny Cage are forced to go to the ruins uh, of Outworld. Uh, again, really great set, like temple ruins, giant Buddha head, and then they pan up to a massive castle, completely terrible CGI, so it's like they, they, give, they give and they take here with the, with the effects, you know, yeah. it's find it hard to get invested fully in this other realm. When, uh, when you get this awful CGI. <laughs> uh, reptile here. Reptile actually does take on his ninja form, his, his Scorpion Sub-Zero form. Him and Liu Kang have a fight to some really cheesy rave music, which is pretty good. Liu Kang starts busting out some of his signature moves, uh, finally. Starts doing like the bicycle kick and stuff like that. It's pretty cool. Mm. Get to the castle. Sonya Blade is um, tied up. <laughs> tied up against the wall in a, a leather mini skirt with big hair <laughs> I was just thinking mm, this is definitely written by a man yeah. you know, why, why is this happening <laughs> she becomes Princess Peach you know she becomes the damsel in distress yeah. I don't like that like Sonny yeah. Blade is an ass kicker like she shouldn't be the maiden she doesn't need to be saved no she doesn't no, I didn't like it. she looked like she's in like an 80s hair metal video or something yeah. like I didn't like that so Liu Kang has to come and save her which he does he starts you know the final uh, the final battle with Shang Tsung. Kerry uh, Tagawa takes off his uh, sorcerer's robes and he's actually pretty pretty ripped uh, in his little waistcoat. Yeah. You know? Starts um, starts fighting with Liu Kang. It's pretty good. Get a lot more of the, the Mortal Kombat music pumping away in the background. Like, yeah, this is it. This is the final final battle here. And they're, they're fighting on a massive version of the dragon logo. On The floor is just a huge dragon Mortal Kombat logo, which is great. Uh, it gets a bit like metaphysical here. Shang Tsung summons the ancient warriors of the past, so people start bursting out of these little like manholes. It's like a samurai warrior and then like a an ancient African warrior, and it's like all oh, the warriors of the past. <laughs> it's a pretty cool kind of gimmick. He also um, Shang Tsung morphs into Liu Kang's brother, and we get the impression that you know it was uh, Liu Kang feels guilty that his brother was killed by Shang Tsung, so Shang Tsung sort of tries to manipulate his his guilt and that sort of thing, but he doesn't fall for that either. And Shang Tsung starts losing his power, his soul, so he's sort of like, his face starts like flying off the camera. <laughs> All the different faces start coming out of his face mm-hmm. to, to suggest souls that are leaving his body because uh, in case you hadn't noticed, your soul is his. <laughs> he says that a lot in the film. Your soul is mine. <laughs> Maybe my favourite line in the film, which I've always remembered, is where Liu Kang... He says, like, oh, I feel sorry for you. You know, you, you are nothing now. And then Shang Tsung spits at him and says, save your pity for the weak. 
oh, that was good. I <laughs> yeah. like that. That's actual good dialogue. Yeah. But then, yeah, Liu Kang is a massive flying bicycle kick thing, probably in off of his feet for like forty seconds or something. Just yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, kick Shang Tsung, and he lands on the spikes. And again, Liu Kang incorrectly claims flawless victory. Yeah, that was definitely not a flawless <laughs> victory. It went on for like five minutes. He definitely punched you, uh, or someone punched you. So that's wrong. His brother's ghost sort of floats up from Shang Tsung. And they make amends. And then all the heroes sort of uh, are in front of a massive temple. And they're all they're all happy again. You know, Johnny Cage and Sonya Blade are going to get it on, the suggestion is. And uh, uh, Liu Kang has made peace with his guilt of his, his brother's death. And then they walk in towards the temple and then all, all earthquake. And then a massive like hallucination of the emperor Shao Kahn is shown. Looks like Skeletor from the Masters of the Universe movie. <laughs> really cheesy. Oh, you're not, you're not going to get away with this. I'm going to kill you all. <laughs> and then Raiden, I don't think so. <laughs> and then they all they all pose. And, do, 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 and the music kicks in again. Yeah. So yeah, good fun. Pretty good fun here. Um, they don't waste much time on plot, certainly. Uh, it's just all it's, it's a massive series of fights between different characters which you which you know and you love from the games and you get to see how they how they use all their different skills and powers as as you would in the game so i think anyone that's familiar with the games probably got what they were expecting from this yeah. uh, got what they wanted what were your overall thoughts of mortal kombat you've seen it a few times i imagine yeah well yeah. i saw it with you maybe a couple of years ago or something mm-hmm. um might have seen it i think i saw it before that as well so quite enjoy it it's uh pretty schlocky but um yeah. yeah there's some good there's some good fight sequences the choreography is actually pretty good really you can, oh yeah you can tell they put money in they arranged like a... some choreography for this rather than street fighter yeah which we'll talk about they, uh, <laughs> you can tell they had some real good training you can tell that there was some money went into that and there was a budget yeah and uh, i like some of the um the sets as well like you were saying yeah like some of it looks really cool like really good backdrops for like the fights and stuff like the kind of backdrops um, you'd have in the game yeah yeah, yeah. the story was pretty uh not nothingy <laughs> yeah um but yeah it, it's, it's obviously schlocky it's actually not as terrible as some of the films we've reviewed no not at all um yeah. i'd say it's probably like a five or a six out of ten if you had to give it a proper yeah. rating yeah i think it's just the cheesiness of it and the sometimes ill-judged um effects some quite bad acting performances yeah to be fair as well i think they could have compensated for a lot of it if they maybe had made it a bit more violent because i'm sure there were probably plenty of people in 1995 that went to see this and were like what the fuck the games are super violent. People get their heads and skulls and spines ripped out, and yeah. people gush blood, and none of that was happening in this. But then you got to think the producers obviously want to make a lot of money, which they did. Mm. Um, their target audience is kids, so the people that are sneaking over their friend's house to play Mortal Kombat. And to be fair, games didn't really have a rating system back in the early nineties, no. so they could make those games as insanely violent as they wanted. Yeah. But for them to get any of that into the movies was a lot more difficult, mm. and the censors would have been on their ass. So they were probably in a difficult position in that they couldn't really replicate any of the extreme violence of the game and still market to their their target audience, which is you know teenagers, probably young teenagers. You know, mm. so uh, yeah, I had this on VHS. Both these films on VHS. Wore this one out. Loved it. Loved the music. 
love the over the top cartoonish kind of characters the sort of dark fantasy element of it you know it's not um it's very different to street fighter in that it, it is all supernatural and unashamedly supernatural you know these are sorcerers and ninjas ninjas are always cool you know to kids definitely just really cool characters goro is really cool some good one-liners as well mm-hmm. yeah some cheesy like arnie one-liners yeah. you know johnny cage got some some decent one li- one-liners in this i'd say it's a fairly decent martial arts film mm. you know like you say based on the choreography and the training fair play the fighting does look awesome in it even if there's no plot i don't think it really matters as much because the fighting is awesome the characters are awesome mm. and yeah it's a good representation of the game as much as you can without putting in the in- insane violence i loved it then and i still love it now i think it's a good a good martial arts fighting uh, film. Next film we're going to talk about then is Street Fighter. Now, ostensibly this is from 1994. However, these two films, they were actually filmed at almost exactly the same time. It's just that Capcom, the makers of Street Fighter, wanted them to get this movie out ASAP. So they actually shot it in the second and third quarters of 94, and they released it in December of 94. Wow. So from the first day of shooting to release, you're talking six months, maybe seven months. Yeah. And at the same time, Mortal Kombat was also shooting in 94. So they shot exactly the same time, and they both shot in Thailand as well. I don't know if they were there at exactly the same time. Any crossover with the crew? Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I tried to find out about that, but apparently not. But So the, basically, both of these films should have come out in 95. But Street Fighter, perhaps wisely, you know rush this out so they could be the first beat em up film to be out there, you know, which I guess there's something to be said for that to be the first. And then, then it looks like Mortal Kombat is, is, is trying to copy Street Fighter, you know. Mm. So yeah, this one actually shot in 94, released in 94. It was made on a, a budget of 35 million. So that's that's 35 million to Mortal Kombat 18 million. And it, it still grossed three times its budget. So still infinitely more successful than, than Super Mario Brothers, which only came out a year before this and was the template for video game movies at the time. Mm. So they're both really massively successful. It's just Mortal Kombat made a lot more money on on a lot less budget. You know, mm. they cut the corners. Um, I'm not sure what costs so much more in Street Fighter, to be honest. Bigger sets, maybe. Capcom were really uh, had the reins on this one from the get-go. They financed most of it themselves. Most of that $35 million is them. Uh, they wanted a film made of their game. They'd obviously made a shit ton of money off of the game in order to be financing a, a film themselves. <laughs> so they went to Stephen D'Souza to uh, to do the film for them, who uh, our listeners will know as the writer of Commando, The Running Man, Die Hard, all the great action movies of, of the 80s, basically. So mm. great guy to go to if you want an action movie being made. But he said, I don't want to write it, I want to direct it. And he'd never directed a film before. Problem, maybe. <laughs> It's worth noting that of the 35 million budget, Jean-Claude Van Damme wanted 8 million to be hired. <laughs> and <laughs> now, depending on which article you read, Jean-Claude Van Damme had a cocaine habit where he was spending $10,000 a week, or if you believe Vice News, a day <laughs> on cocaine. A day seems um, a bit ridiculous. I think if he was on $10,000 worth of coke a day, he would no longer be with us. <laughs> may, may not have finished the film. So, um, yeah, apparently he had, I don't know, I don't know what the maths is on that mark, and if you can figure that out, but $8 million, 10000 a week on coke, nine to ten weeks of shooting. <laughs> 
good chunk of his fee <laughs> yeah. gone already. So so he wisely negotiated enough money to spend on coke <laughs> and have some change left over. Um, and to be fair, he was a he was a big action star at the time. Urania and your Stallone were still around, but I think they were maybe on the on the fade a little bit. And Jean Claude Van Damme was coming up. He'd done Kickboxer, Bloodsport. Um, Hard Target, great film, John Woo film. He'd just come off of Time Cop, which was really successful as well. So Jean-Claude Van Damme, maybe quite rightly, requests $8 million. I mean, it made a lot of money, so <laughs> who knows. It's it's funny, actually. Stephen D'Souza, in an interview, said that he, he didn't want to shoehorn in elements from the game like the Mario Brothers movie did. I thought... <laughs> I don't remember the Mario Brothers having anything to do with no. the games. I'm not quite sure what he's on about there. Um, but that was his excuse for maybe not putting more of the game in. But then he also said that Capcom were breathing down his neck constantly every time he wrote a, a draft of the script. He'd say, there you go. And they'd say, well, can you put this character in? Can you put this character in? There's a lot of characters in Street Fighter Two Turbo, which is what this this film is based on. Yeah. So he wanted to keep it to around about seven main characters, which I guess he still does, but they forced him to keep putting extra characters in, which is why maybe some characters aren't, aren't as fully realised as others. We start off here with um, news footage, like fake news footage of the, uh, the, sh- the problems in Shadaloo, which is the fictional um, Southeast Asian uh, state that's uh, up to no good in a civil war. Chun-Li is the first character introduced. She's a reporter in this film, but also a bit of a sort of a spy and then we're, we're introduced to the, the M. Bison character who in this film is played by Raul Julia probably the only legit actor in this film properly classically Shakespearean trained probably also requested around 8 million dollars but um, we don't know that probably a lot of people are, are aware uh, yeah, with the stories about this film but you know, unfortunately Raul Julia was terminally ill when he made this film uh, with stomach cancer did actually die before the film came out, so he's not in great shape here. Kind of depressing when you read about that side of the film. It's all like the, all the Jean Claude Van Damme stuff is funny, but um, unfortunately here was Raoul Julia, like a great actor, still giving a great performance, but in a, in a real cheesy film. But like many people in this film, he he was convinced to do it by his children, who loved Street Fighter. He uh, gives most of his monologues from his floating platform. He demands twenty billion dollars uh, ransom for the hostages that he's taken. And this then introduces Colonel Guile, by, by, played by Jean-Claude Van Damme himself. Introducing the characters nearly as quickly as they do in uh, Pretty Kombat. Pretty much. <laughs> Colonel Guile cuts like a like a wrestling promo on uh, on Bison. You can start to see early on in this, and Stephen D'Souza said this as well, that he didn't want this to be a quote-unquote tournament movie, um, like Mortal Kombat. He wanted it to be like, almost like a Bond movie with lots of globetrotting and stuff like that. And I think you can see that. Certainly with M. Bison. M. Bison is a Bond villain, like, all mm. the way through. He's, he's a dictator, and he's based on Stalin and Hitler and all these characters, but he's also an evil Bond villain. So A real quick introduction of loads of different characters. Balrog, the boxing character, is the cameraman. Uh, e. Honda, uh, the sumo character from the game, is um, the sort of producer, crew for, for Chun-Li. Uh, DJ, the kind of Jamaican character, is, is just a bit of a, a PA to, to M. Bison. Mm. Zangief, the Russian wrestler, also just a heavy uh, for M. Bison, so they're introducing them all. And then here we get the whole uh, the whole premise of the film. You will give me $20 billion in three days, or the hostages will die. <laughs> or uh, a generic uh, yeah, storyline. Generic Bond villain, yeah. very much so, yeah. Like Dr. Evil. 
20 billion dollars <laughs> we get uh, very briefly introduced to Charlie now they, they merge two characters in this film so in the games Charlie is uh, Colonel Giles like best friend that he grew up with and in this film they choose to merge that character into the blanket character M. Bison realises this Charlie guy is linked to Bi- uh, linked to Guile so he's going to he's going to fuck with him and genetically modify him and stuff like that Cammy, mm. Colonel Giles right hand woman Kylie Minogue oh, no. makes her return to uh, to the podcast. Uh, we covered her in Biodome a few episodes back. She's she's back again. Who would have thought we would re- would do so many Kylie Minogue performances? <laughs> there are only about five <laughs> movies out there. We've already done two. Uh, we introduced to Vega. Uh, he's having a bit of a cage fight. I always thought they did this character really well. Mm. Looked really good. Looked like he did in the games. Yeah. The mask, looked- the claw. Better than yeah. any of the others. He I looked think. authentic. Yeah. No, some characters are easier to replicate than others from yeah. the video game, but uh, he's got like the big snake tattoo, and uh, the claw, and the the ponytail, and the mask. He looks pretty pretty awesome. Ryu and Ken are introduced here. They just look like normal blokes, which I guess you'd expect. They are kind of normal blokes in the in the scope of the game. Um, they're sort of having an arms deal with Sagat. Sagat here is played by a guy called Wes Studi who is um, quite an acclaimed Native American actor. He was in Last of the Mohicans, um, also in uh, Deep Rising, a great B-movie that we'll, that we'll do one day. Funny bit where Ryu and Ken say, haven't you heard there's a curfew? And Sagat goes, no, I haven't heard of any curfew. And then a helicopter goes over overhead. So, please be aware, there's a curfew. <laughs> yeah. You'll be shot if you're in the street. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I mean... When I watched this this evening, I, I'd I'd saw a comment from Stephen D'Souza at the end of an interview where he said, "Of course we meant it to be a comedy. <laughs> of course it was meant to be funny." Now people always say that when they make unintentionally hilarious movies, like Tommy Wiseau. Like. Yeah, yeah, it's easy to say that afterwards. And Troll Two, you know, yeah, well, of course yeah. it was a comedy. I'm surprised that everyone took so long for everyone to notice. Yeah, you know? but I mean, there are genuine moments in this where it is written that way. Mm. You know. Um, I, I think I'll give it. I'll give him more credit than most people who say that. Yeah, that curfew bit was. Yeah, yeah, it, it comes up every now and then, like actual gags. But in this arms deal, all the weapons are like Nerf guns, so they just shoot like little luminous balls out. Um, so then there's some fighting between Ryu and Ken and Sagat and his men. First indication of uh, the, how the violence is going to go in this film. It's going to be very slapstick. There's going to be sort of noises like mm. cartoon noises and stuff like that which is fine if that's how you're going to go the Street Fighter games are uh, not as violent as Mortal Kombat they are more cartoonish characters one of the characters from the game that I think gets a pretty rough deal in this film is Dalsim so character in the game who's got really stretchy arms and is sort of a, a yogi an Indian yogi in this he's just a scientist yeah um, he doesn't fight. It's like chained up. Really? Doesn't fight no. at all. No. It's just chained up and is forced to work for M. Bison. That's pretty bad. Mm. There's a lot of quotes from the the actor. Apparently, he was quite a veteran Indian actor, a proper actor, who uh, he, ca- he came on set and they said, told him he was a mad scientist, and that was about all the information <laughs> they gave him. And he said, "I didn't know what science I was meant to be doing or what I was so mad about." <laughs> Which is a good summary of that character. Just give him some test tubes, he'll be fine. You never know what he's meant to be doing, but he, he seems profound and <laughs> thoughtful while he's yeah. doing it. So it's his job to brainwash Charlie into Blanca, basically. Um, so he's showing him like horrific 
uh, war atrocity footage and children crying and stuff like that. <laughs> and there's a great scene where he shows it to M. Bison and he says, well, this is merely educational material. <laughs> That's that's to brainwash his mind and to change his mind. But what I really like is when they bring out the stuff that's going to change his body. So basically the stuff that's going to turn him into this sort of... What Blanker is, is basically like a muscular like goblin, gremlin, sort of green thing with orange hair. Mm. So they bring out all this like IV stand that has all these um, drip bags that are like labelled anabolic plasma, DNA mutagens... <laughs> And they're all like different colours and it looks like some Alco Pops or Slush Puppies or something yeah. like that. And they're going to hook this up and that's just going to turn him into the green-skinned blanker creature that can like electrocute people and stuff, mm. apparently. Uh, Ryu has a fight with Vega, or he's about to have a cage fight with Vega, but then at the last minute Guile ploughs in with a tank <laughs> and just says, you're all under arrest. <laughs> Gal gets a lot of one-liners that don't really work. Yeah. Uh, well, one of my most memorable one-liners that he does get, which I do like, is when he's in a board meeting and, and an oh, as- yeah. a, a waiter tries to assassinate him. <laughs> <laughs> so he, he sweep kicks him off the table and he just casually sits down again and says, any, any other, other new business? business? <laughs> yeah. uh, which is always great. Actually, it took me many years to figure out what the fuck he was saying. Mm-hmm. Any other new business? <laughs> this is the American Colonel Guy. Nobody's been allocated the right nationality or ethnicity <laughs> based based on their actual uh, origins. It's quite hilarious. So there's a there's a bit of a prison fight here, Ryu and Ken uh, against uh, Vega and Sagat. What I do like here is that Vega, in what twelve hours since he was arrested, has had time to fashion uh, a new claw made out of bamboo <laughs> like a prison shank version of his of his metal claw which is hilarious the idea is that we're going to get Ryu and Ken to infiltrate Sagat's gang and then that'll get us in with with Bison that's the kind of idea so there's there's this incredibly convoluted side plot here I don't know why any of this is necessary where they stage a prison break they allow Ryu and Ken to escape but then Guile chases after them and they quote, shoot him and, quote, kill him. (laughs) What a waste of time. This is about 15 minutes. It's just a waste of time. Mm. As they're they're shooting him, it goes, you get a classic Jean-Claude Van Damme slow-mo. Everything slows down. He just goes, (laughs) which is a classic move. Even he can can make being shot in the gut look incredibly uh, action-packed, you know. That's it. He's dead. He's dead. And there's just Cammy, Kylie Minogue going, Medics! Can we get some medics? Uh, in the meantime, you get um, M. Bison doing quite a funny bit. He's, he's talking about Bisonopolis, <laughs> <laughs> which is the, <laughs> it's going to be the new city that he's going to build once he crushes the 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 AN, not the UN, the AN. Uh, he says, "I think the I think the food court should be a little bit bigger." <laughs> he gives a really great monologue, like. No slapstick, no cheesiness, just a great actor giving a great monologue about like the Pax Bisonica and that they call me mad, but they will all kneel. And it's just a really good bit of acting. Like, you yeah. forget you're watching a terrible film <laughs> for a couple of seconds there because he's a great actor. Chun Li um, inexplicably turns into a ninja, all black, sneaks into the AN headquarters, into the morgue, and there's Colonel Guile's dead body lying on the in the morgue. But then he sits up 
and he, he takes off his blood packs, his squibs, and, and he's alive. Reanimates. So he's been lying there for, what, eight hours, <laughs> seven hours? He didn't know Chun-Li was going to come in then. Yeah. So how long has he been lying there pretending? To, uh, to, what's what's the time limit here? How long should you lie in the morgue before before going back to your office or like going back to your bed? There's some uh, a scene here set in a sort of weapons bazaar, weapons market. There's some amazing dialogue here. I I didn't I couldn't even write it down, but it was stuff like authentic cruise missile, all original parts. <laughs> Buy now, low price. There's just all these like wheeler dealer guys, like genuine tank. Five speeds, three forward, two back. <laughs> I wanted to write this down, but it went so fast. But it was, it was, it was like real wise guy um, dialogue. Somehow Chun Li and the news team have sneaked into this, and they pretend to be magicians uh, to infiltrate it. Bison and Sagat are having a sort of meeting about you know how they're going to conquer the world. Basically, Sagat is selling him some weapons, and in exchange, um, Bison gives him Bison dollars which are sort of pink money with just Bison's face on it. He's like, well, when I've conquered the world... Every <laughs> dollar will be worth five English pounds or something like that. And it'll be worth... Every dollar will be worth five English pounds because I'm going to kidnap the Queen. Oh, yeah. And I'm going to tell the Bank of England that that will be the exchange rate, <laughs> which is brilliant dialogue. Actual really funny dialogue. Well, well performed as well. In the meantime... <laughs> um, uh, Chun Li has um, pushed a, a truck full of dynamite down towards the the tent that they're in, and it gets closer and closer. And they're looking at the looking at a, a TV screen of the truck rolling towards, and then they're looking out to see if it's <laughs> hit yet. And they're looking back, and they're looking out. And then Zangief says, "Change the channel." <laughs> it's one of his great idiot one-liners that he gets. But as a result of this, because Ryu and Ken warned them about the the van, um, they accidentally get sort of taken in by M. Bison uh, and Sagat. So they've successfully sort of uh, endeared themselves to, to M. Bison. Everybody goes back to Bison's lair, and this is where you start to get people that actually start to dress like their characters. So Ryu and Ken have got their white and red uh, geese. Is that what they're called? The karate sort of outfits. Mm. Um, Chun-Li gets in a little sort of... Uh, dress with the splits at the side and the and the space buns and the spiky bracelets and stuff. So everyone starts to look a bit more like, like their characters, which is cool. Uh, Balrog and E-Honda are being tortured, but uh, it doesn't affect E-Honda because he's like too fat, too sumo. He's able to transport his mind to another place. <laughs> I don't understand that. <laughs> Never understood that. The Allied Nation troops are all ready to go. They're all gearing up for the invasion. Um, but then a, a bureaucrat interrupts, and it's played by um, well-known English Shakespearean actor Simon Callow. Uh, again, a proper actor uh, comes in and says, "I'm sorry, Colonel Gal, but the invasion has been cancelled. Uh, we are going to pay the ransom, and that's that's it." Simon Callow says, "Have you lost your mind?" <laughs> it says, "No, you've lost your balls." <laughs> so Colonel Gal gives a rousing speech anyway, and says, "We're gonna we're gonna go anyway. Fuck." fuck what this guy says we're going like we're we're all ready to go now like you know we're all we've all got dressed we've all got our weapons you know yeah. like, fuck that i'm going <laughs> so uh everyone's like yeah let's go yeah. and then everyone starts like moving out and mobilizing simon callow is just like throwing papers everywhere going, oh colonel guile excuse me colonel guile and then in the midst of it there's just this one woman who i guess is the assistant to to simon callow 
just walks straight at the camera, holding one high heel in her hand and looking bewildered. It's the weirdest bit of editing in the whole <laughs> film, meant to indicate that, that chaos is, is erupting, but yeah. it's weird. This is quite a memorable scene where um, Chun-Li gets a private interview with M. Bison. So she's telling this whole story of how Bison came to her village when she was younger and raided it and terrorised everyone and shot her father and all this sort of stuff. While she's telling the story, M. Bison is sort of putting on his smoking jacket. He changes his general's hat for a different general's hat that, that has velvet on it instead. <laughs> it's this casual wear. Yeah. Goes over and makes a cocktail. All the while she's telling the story about how he like raped and burned her village and stuff. <laughs> And then there's there's the memorable line where he says, you know, for you that day was the the day that M Bison came and ruined your life, but for me it was Tuesday. <laughs> very memorable line, I think, uh, for everyone. So heartless. It's great. Cold. What a, what a bastard. Bastard. Yeah. He's yeah. a great bastard. Uh, at this point, Guile and Cami and T Hawk are bombing down the river towards the uh, M Bison hideout. Blanca. Still going on. <laughs> they cut back to Blanca like once every sort of ten minutes, and you're just like, oh yeah, yeah. Never really fights anyone either. <laughs> he um, just gets a bit greener. <laughs> he's gone a bit green, and his nose has gone a bit bigger, and he's got orange hair. He doesn't look as badass as he does in the games, though. He no. just looks. He's not translated very well no. at all. It's very panto. Yeah. Um, again, they blew their budget on Jean Claude Van Damme and Raul Julia. Um, so there's not much else. There wasn't much left for for Blanca. Sorry, no. um, Dalsim starts playing happy footage instead to try and reverse the uh, the aggressive brainwashing. So it's like Martin Luther King giving a speech. Mm. Not that happy. He he was he was preaching against racism <laughs> and hatred and was ultimately assassinated. <laughs> I'm not sure how happy that is. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it's all goes start to go a bit mad here. Um, in the boat, they they activate stealth mode, which involves them pulling down their sort of motorcycle helmets, um, and the lighting going a bit green inside the cockpit, and the boat goes a little bit camouflaged. Mm. In response to this, M Bison says, "Right, activate attack mode." Then, so DJ goes over to a little like glass case, opens it, and there's a handle that he pulls up, and on the handle is written. Alerto. I, I don't know why. <laughs> I don't know what that means. It's just alert in Spanish. Yeah. Something like that. There's more. There's many one-liners here, which which we which we mentioned. Every now and then, Colonel Guy will have a one-liner, and one of them is like, "I'm the Repo Man, and I'm coming to get my money." And then there's another one like, "I'm a collection agency." And you're six months overdue. Yeah. Where the, who's writing this <laughs> horseshit for Jean-Claude Van Damme to deliver? Because it is terrible. It's like it gets more and more mediocre and menial as it goes on. He's basically saying the same thing, but in a different way. Just like but, different yeah, wording, I, I'm the repo like... man, and I'm the collections agency. That is the same thing. <laughs> yeah. I'm a bailiff, and I'm coming for your TV. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I I work. I work for the job centre, and uh, you've we've overpaid you. You're gyro. Like, what? How far do you want to go with this? Like, I'm the gardener, and I'm coming to cut your grass. Like, it doesn't work. Let's make a whole film out of this. Yeah, at least be something like I'm an undertaker, and I'm going to put you in a coffin. At least that would have been like yeah. dramatic. <laughs> this is so like it's such admin. I'm a repo man. <laughs> 
what he does is he states an occupation and then explains it. So I'm a repo man, so I'm gonna I'm gonna take what's yours. I'm a collection, so I'm coming for your debt. Like yeah, I know what I know what these occupations are. <laughs> Oh, it just makes no I'm sense. I'm an insurance broker and you haven't paid your premium. <laughs> I'm a traffic warden and you're parked illegally. <laughs> you could do this all day. Like none, none of this relates to the film or is cool or edgy in any way. It's, it's, I don't understand it at all. Yeah, missteps with the one-liners here. Uh, M. Bison gets at his little um, d- hovering desk again and he starts like pushing buttons and he's actually got like an arcade machine set up he's got a joystick and buttons like street fighter buttons that he pushes yeah. which is quite cool dalsim has a, a fight with a henchman in the lab he, he ends up uh, getting knocked into the iv bags where i have the dangerous chemicals now i read something today which i've never heard before or even really believe but some people think that um when dr dalsim knocks into the iv and some of the chemicals spill on his arms he he visibly like rubs his arms right some mad people think that this is the foreshadowing of how Dalsim becomes super stretchy. <laughs> <laughs> he got uh, too much of the WKD on his arm. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, that might be true, but you don't see it. About as illogical as everything else. He doesn't even become bald until the last two minutes of the film. And even <laughs> then, he still doesn't fucking fight anyone. So what's the point? <laughs> So if you want, you can believe that the chemicals spilled on his arms are what eventually made him stretchy and made his hair fall out. Capable of fighting. That's just choose your own adventure. Like That's not yeah. what actually happens in the film. <laughs> Blanca is released. Like we said, he looks like shit. He looks like the Incredible Hulk from the 70s. Probably not even that good. Like, mm. It's the same sort of character. Massive green bloke going really angry. Yeah. Same character. T-Hawk is finally seen in his costume and by that i mean he puts a headband on to indicate that he's native american to which colonel gal says hey what's with the headband all right <laughs> chill out like you meant to you meant to be uh, you're meant to be american mate you, you should talk yeah uh bison opens the pit with the hostages and the countdown's going he's getting ready to shoot them kill them all and he says to dj check my swiss bank account <laughs> To see if they have deposited the funds, <laughs> so he, he calls up the account on his on his like Microsoft DOS, uh, and, and it just very slowly types up Swiss bank account balance zero. <gasps> so we're led to believe that Bison has no money, or that's just one of his accounts. Maybe I like you think there'd be something in his Swiss yeah. bank account. I don't think you're allowed to have a Swiss bank account and have nothing in it. Mm. The Swiss wouldn't like that. No. And Bison, he does get one-liners, but even when he gets normal dialogue, he makes them into one-liners. He just, he says, raise the incubation chamber! <laughs> and it's a normal bit of dialogue, but he does it in such a way, and with such a mad look in his eye, that it's funny. Incubation chamber's meant to have Blanca in it, but actually Colonel Gal comes flying out of it like a rocket on on a wire, I assume. <laughs> just, <"Yeah!" laughs> And kicks uh, kicks Bison. Chaos ensues, everyone starts shooting, everything starts exploding. Many, many um, bison troopers fall off of things, mm. plummet from, from walkways and uh, temple walls and stuff <laughs> like that. Everyone kind of pairs off at this point and has little fights of their own. Um, Lots of running and gunning. Running and gunning. Some characters are fighting hand-to-hand, some are choosing to shoot. Yeah. It's a weird mix of the two, really. <laughs> um, I guess if everyone had a gun, it wouldn't be much of a, a fighting film. 
one of my favorite little fights is Zangief and Honda pair off as the two like massive characters and they start battering each other including a bit where they start crushing the mo- the model of Bisonopolis and they start playing Godzilla sound effects over the top the actual Godzilla roar they they managed to uh, get the license for oh, right. quite surprised yeah. yeah it's subtle you can't hear it too well maybe they didn't pay for it that'll cost you a, a pretty penny i think to yeah. use that in your in your film there's just a really funny cutaway where, where Kylie Minogue has got a massive bazooka and just fires it at this temple and everything blows up. Mm. Never thought I'd see Kylie Minogue fire a bazooka. And oh, no. So eventually it all comes down to Colonel Guile versus M. Bison. This is what we've been waiting for. This is the end of the end of level boss, the end of game boss, you know. it's uh, And it's pretty awesome. It's a pretty good fight. Really memorable uh, Colonel Guile dialogue. Like, are you men enough to fight with me? <laughs> Sounds like Borat sometimes, you know. <laughs> Like you son of a bitch, Bison. Um, and then you, you know. want some cocaine? <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, yeah, well, like we said, it actually looks like Raul Julia's off his tits on cocaine. <laughs> the way he's going on this one. And then Bison gets the, all the dialogue like, "You came to fight a man, and you found a god." <laughs> um, you know, hand to hand combat. Uh, Colonel Gal starts banging his head on a massive bell that's suspended in the in the oh, room yeah. for some reason. For this reason, I guess. This is for Jolly. Bong. This is for the hostages. Bong. <laughs> it's <just> ludicrous. <laughs> so eventually, uh, Colonel Gal defeats M. Bison. Radios back to Cammy. Says, I'm half dead. And what about M. Bison? All, all dead. dead. <laughs> very Arnie line, I yeah. thought. But no, he's not all dead. Uh, very funny sequence. The, you see the computer screen start to uh, life support system. Uh, initiating <laughs> and then you start to see like a a vague outline like a computer graphic of a body and like lightning going through it and as it's doing that Raul Julie just goes <laughs> and then uh, administering adrenaline and you see a massive like cartoon syringe go into the graphic and <laughs> so he's being he's being reanimated and Bison is not just reanimated but when he when he comes back to life he has the power to shoot lightning from his fists. And uh, as you said, he has this new technology which levitates bullet trains from Tokyo to Osaka. <laughs> it levitates my desk where I rule the world. And it levitates me. <laughs> which I, I remember distinctly as a child watching that monologue and being like, yeah, yeah, it levitates, yeah. Uh, it levitates me. That's like you really had a good, good build up there. And yeah. You just really like <laughs> splooged it at the end, like really messed it up. Fell oh, flat. It did. So he's just like flying, like like in the game, M. Bison does like come flying at you with his fists, and like it's pretty hard to avoid. So he starts like mashing Colonel Gal, but eventually Colonel Gal defeats him. Uh, everybody runs out. Uh, Zangief realizes that he's the bad guy, <laughs> like. <laughs> Like in uh, Mitchell and Webb, are we the bad guys? Yeah. We've got the skull on our helmets. We must be the bad guys. So Zangief realizes that he's a bad guy and turns babyface straight away and sides with the good guys. DJ and Sagat uh, escape, but then discover that the chest is full of bison dollars, (laughs) which are definitely not worth anything now. (laughs) Not even five quid. (laughs) And then all the good guys make it up to the front and the entire temple complex uh, explodes and they all simultaneously pull their winning poses from the video game which as you pointed out must have taken quite a while yeah to, it must have to uh, catch it. 
yeah, done a lot of takes on this. <laughs> Everyone has to do their own individual winning pose at the exact same time, and so it can be freeze framed and stick the Street Fighter logo over the top, which does look awesome. It's the picture I posted on our social media yesterday. It's really cool. Chun um, Lee has to do the arms in the air and like legs up like that. Feet either, yeah, yeah, yeah. which is probably the hardest bit. Mm. Yeah, everyone else just has to go. You know. mm. And it is, yeah. Towards the end, everyone does start to do their moves and their stuff. It becomes more like the game towards the end. I feel like everyone's mm. wearing their costumes. Everyone looks pretty good, apart from Blanket. Most of the main characters actually do fight and use their moves, apart from the, the shit ones that they've had to shoehorn in. When Stephen D'Souza says he was forced to put some characters in there, you can tell which ones these were. You yeah, know? and you can tell which ones he wanted to actually give, uh, give some screen time to and some and do some justice to. So, mm. and then. For the first time ever, I saw the post-credit sequence. We didn't know it existed. No idea. I had this on VHS, watched it to death. I had no idea this existed. Maybe it wasn't on my VHS. But at the end, uh, you get the classic Carrie fist coming up through the floor, bison. And then his computer comes on and it says, uh, world domination, click replay. <laughs> so it's like, insert coin if you want to continue. <laughs> yeah. You know? Which is really awesome, yeah. Apparently they took it out of the theatrical cut because they thought it would be in poor taste as Raul Julia was actually dead. Mm. Would not be replaying <laughs> anything. So, <laughs> yeah. So there it is, Street Fighter the movie. What were your overall thoughts on this, Mark? Oh, it's fantastic, yeah. <laughs> I've seen it a couple of times before yeah. tonight. Characters are in- enjoyable. <laughs> um, yeah, there's so many one-liners. Yeah. Most of them are pretty rubbish to be honest but some of them are great some of them some, aren't yeah some of them are great some of them are unexpected you know some of them are like that fell flat but was still funny let's move on yeah, <laughs> yeah. let's just keep going yeah. um yeah it was interesting to see how each character was done i mean it was weird having dowson as a scientist they didn't um, they didn't want to do anything with him obviously yeah I thought M. Bison's character was good. Yeah. I thought he was pretty badass, actually. He kind of came across as quite... Uh, in certain places, he did, anyway. Considering like, it was being played by a, a dying, frail man, mm. he, he did come across as being quite he mad. He had some and, good yeah. lines, and he kind of looked quite threatening in some yeah. scenes. Just um, insane. Yeah. Van Damme's amazing, obviously. Obviously. <laughs> At the height of his coke-fueled madness. Yeah. yeah. As for whether it gives the does justice to the game, I, I don't mm. I don't really know <laughs> how to go mm. about that. It's yeah. not really a Street Fighter is what wouldn't what you would call this film if it wasn't based on a game. I don't think it's not much fighting. It's more in about the streets. Like, <laughs> no, it's more ambitious really than that, isn't yeah, it? It's, it's about world domination. It's more global. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. They went. They reached higher the Mortal Kombat with their plot. Mm. With a plot, yeah. There's people from all around the world involved. Yeah, it was like that was the idea of Street Fighter, like was, the warriors yeah, they of the were all world coming together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but they're doing it in kind of reference to some madman taking over the universe yeah. with brute, like elite army force, and all which that is always happening somewhere in the world. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, they did say that, that Raul Julia based his character on various sort of mannerisms and things from from Stalin sort of lifting up his hand in a certain way to Hitler's love of art. He's got loads of art in his private quarters. Mm. Little amalgams of dictators and, and madmen. Yeah, it's um it's funny, it's terrible, it's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, well, obviously we we often get asked on on social media what our favorite bad movie ever is and I'm I'm going to say it right now. This is it. For is me, it? For me, this really? is it. Wow. Yeah. Doesn't get any badder or better for me than Street Fighter, the movie. 
and I, I say that because I saw it when I was, well, 94, I was nine, nine or 10, when I had VHS, and I thought it was fucking amazing. <laughs> I kept loving it until someone pointed out to me that it was a bad movie. <laughs> and you know when, you, when you've never questioned a movie because yeah. you've loved it so much. You grew up you, with it, you've got the yeah. nostalgia. And then someone points it out and you're like, oh my God, you're right. <laughs> it's crap. This is a bad movie. <laughs> but then I started enjoying bad movies and I realised that I loved this just as much when I knew and I recognised that it was bad hmm. as I did when I had no idea and I was naive. It's like pro wrestling. Like You love it so much when you're a kid because you think it's like it's all completely real. And then when you find out how it works you get a different appreciation for it. What yeah. Now I know how this film was made and that Jean-Claude Van Damme was coked off his tits and Raul Julia was dying and these people didn't have any fucking martial arts training and... Oh, we didn't even mention Jean-Claude Van Damme was shagging Kylie Minogue the, enti- the <laughs> yeah. entire time. Uh, <laughs> but the story behind this film is, is just as amazing as the story that they're telling. Yeah. Um, and for me, it's just it's top of the pile for me with bad movies because I, I never stopped enjoying the film, whether I enjoyed it because it was bad or not. Mm. It is bad. It is cheesy. But at the same time, like, it's just fucking mad. It's mad B-movie cheesiness. And it does yeah. does a lot of things that most films don't, you know, mm. uh, it's cartoonish characters. So I think in that sense, it is a good video game, game adaptation. For me, this is absolute top of the pile, Street Fighter. It's, it's a mad story of how the film was made. This, the plot is quite ambitious. The, the, the one-liners sometimes are shit, but funny. Sometimes they're good and funny. <laughs> um, the fighting's all right. You know, you can kind of skim past that. Um, but the characters are there, and the characters that they put the time into are great. And yeah. they, make it, they make them look like the characters in the game. They make them fight like the characters in the game. And they sort of make them behave like the characters in the game. So it's, it's very authentic. And I'm not even the biggest fan of the games, you know, really. Mm. I played it when, it, you know, when I was younger and just got beat a lot by everyone else. I'm not very good at fighting games, but I still really like the characters. And, yeah. you, you know, that choose your character screen from Street Fighter 2 is almost iconic in its own right. You yeah, know, yeah. I, I can I can visualize it now. Blank is in the bottom right corner. Uh, you know, I know where the character, I know what the... the facial expression is, I know what country they're meant to be from, like you say, they're all from different countries. Playing that on the SNES back in the day, it was great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, SNES, Street Fighter 2, two Turbo, oh, amazing, so yeah, Street Fighter the movie gets my uh, my highest form of praise, I, I think it's the best bad movie ever, I think it should be on Mount Rushmore with uh, with The Room, with Troll 2, with uh, Plan 9 and any other and any other you know legendary bad movie, it's, uh, as far as the 90s go, I can't, I can't think of a bigger a bigger bad movie so but uh for you mark if you had to send one of these films send one of these films to a mystical island to fight in a tournament because it's so badass <laughs> or if you had to um execute one of these films um for the sum of 20 million dollars which one would you send to to fight in the tournament and which one would you execute sadly it's tough because they're both great mm. in their own ways. But I think Street Fighter is too iconic a bad mm. movie to put it beneath beneath Mortal Kombat. So Mortal Kombat's kind of good. Yeah. In a way. Mortal Kombat's kind of like when you put it right next to Street Fighter, it's more competent. Yeah. Yeah. You could derive some genuine enjoyment from Mortal Kombat, <laughs> whereas Street Fighter is entirely kind of But you can find some talent. Yeah. You can find some you know, some 
some choreograph, some thought put into the acting, and mm. you know. Um, yeah, I've I've enjoyed I've enjoyed watching them both. It was great, but um, yeah, I would uh, I would put Street Fighter yeah, above. I will agree, and, agree uh, of course. I would execute more combat as, as little as I would like to. I'd have to. Would in, it be a flawless victory? Little, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't be no, flawless. It, it wouldn't be, be. It's very it close. Would be yeah, hard yeah, fought. No, yeah, I know it is. It is really close. They, I they would call it flawless, though. <laughs> <laughs> You're off the air. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, of course I would go with Street Fighter as well, but it is a close one because Mortal Kombat is great as well. A bit of a shame they never really did another Street Fighter. I mean, they did do one in 2009 called like The Legend of Chun-Li or something, but apparently it was even worse. They did another Mortal um, Kombat, right? They did Mortal Kombat 2 Annihilation. Now that was genuinely a piece of shit. <laughs> um, that had like... So it had more of the characters from the games, but real lesser characters. They'd already used up all the, the, the great characters. Mm. So it was more stuff like their names the guy that's like a centaur um the woman that's got like mad white stripe in her hair and like screams at people they're, they're so forgettable i don't even know their names mm. so yeah they they have done they have done other mortal Kombat films they have done other street fighter films that sort of failed to get anywhere near the level of success i think they've tried at some um tv series or like web series for both of these as well to see if they can kind of get it back off the uh, off the ground again yeah every now and then you hear rumors that someone's going to do another another film um i'm sure it was like james wan was going to maybe try and reboot mortal kombat again but you hear about it and then it goes away again so mm. doesn't seem like they're going to do it again but i mean both of the games are still still around they're still yeah. going strong mortal kombat 11 just came out yeah okay 11 in the last like, year um, Street Fighter 4, some iteration of that, 5, yeah, yeah. 5, so yeah, the games are still obviously massively successful, Um, and people who love beat-em-ups still, I guess, still play them, so. Mortal Kombat these days is brutal video games, (laughs) so much more violent. Yeah, I don't play them anymore, but I definitely will watch, like, the fatalities on YouTube or something (laughs) like that, just to see what, how ridiculous they are. Yeah. Imagine if they could do that in the film, like, they could do now with the effects we have now. That's what I want to see. Really. There would be people trying to get it banned from like cinemas and stuff because it would be so bad. gruesome, which would be gr- But that's really, what you want. Yeah, yeah. It would be that's amazing publicity. Kombat, that's why Mortal Kombat was successful because it, it was, you know, um, your mum doesn't want you to play this. Well, I'm definitely going to play it. Though. Yeah. <laughs> well, your mum doesn't want you to see this. Well, I'm going to go and see it. Just know, makes so. me want to see it so much more. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So who knows if we'll ever get another Street Fighter or Mortal Kombat movie, but um, we've got two great, great bad movies here, so... So yeah, other video game movies out there. Perhaps we'll do another episode on that one day. But these are really the only two um, high-profile examples of, of fighting or martial arts uh, video game movies. Hmm. So I put a, it out on social media that we were going to be doing these, and we did get some feedback. If you want to give us any feedback on the movies that, uh, that we have reviewed or, or, or are going to be reviewing... Uh, just drop us a line on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Schlock Tactics. Uh, but I did ask for all of your feedback uh, on these movies. Um, so uh, on Instagram, FMPB Podcast said that he saw both of these movies in the theatre when they came out. And uh, at the time, he preferred Mortal Kombat because it stayed closer to the arcade story. Story, he says. <laughs> um, but now I prefer Street Fighter because it's all caps so bonkers. Like B-movie levels of cheese. Yeah, you're quite right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then Rubber Monsters of Schlockland. Presumably he's been looking at <laughs> schlock hashtags and he's found us. It's quite a good name, actually. <laughs> it's pretty good. 
um, says, all caps, huge points for Kylie Minogue and Miguel Nunez, who played DJ. He just liked those characters. I yeah. Guess. yeah. <laughs> uh, Facebook Rory uh, says, all caps, it has begun. <laughs> and um, so he likes Mortal Kombat, I guess. Yeah. And uh, says, if you haven't done one already, an episode on Fist of the North Star would be cool. I don't know anything about Fist of the North no. Star. I understand it's uh, a bit of a manga, martial arts film. Mm. Maybe a bit like Story of Ricky, I'm hoping. If it is, then I'll watch it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, sounds good. But he's obviously a fan of Mortal Kombat as well. So, yeah, we've got fans of Street Fighter. We've got fans of Mortal Kombat uh, both. So thanks for getting in touch. Let us know uh, still if you enjoyed these films, what you thought of them. Um, if you want us to review any other movies, let us know. Your suggestions, we, we may may take you up on it. Please subscribe to the podcast. Um, we release a new episode or two sometimes every month. And you'll be the first to know if you are subscribed about that. Um, leave us a review on iTunes. Five stars if you wouldn't mind. That would help us a lot. Uh, yeah, that has been another episode of Schlock Tactics. My name is Banash and I've been joined by Mark. Good night. And thanks for listening. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.